You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Paul Francis, is a true master at his craft. Not only is Paul known as one of the world's greatest symbol makers, but he is also one of my closest friends. I'm going to talk to Paul today about his newest venture, making and modifying symbols under his Symbol Craftsman brand. And we'll go back in time and talk about the moment that Paul fell in love with drums and his defining moments throughout the years. So come along with me and get ready for some fun and some insight into the world of Paul Francis. Paul Francis, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much. I can't believe with all the heavy hitters that you've had on your your podcast that you asked me to to join. I've been watching since the very, very first one. So it's just, I love them all. They're so great. Thank you so much for saying that. And um, I appreciate the support as always, but you belong here for sure. I appreciate that. I think there are going to be a lot of people out there who are super excited to see you and hear what you're up to and all of that. So I'm so psyched to have you on today. I'm very, very honored to be part of uh, your podcast and among all the great, you know, drummers that you've already interviewed. So thank you. Thank you. And so for anybody listening at home or watching on YouTube, um, Paul Francis you were at the Zildjian Symbol Company for how many years? 32 years. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, and we worked together for 16 of those years. Um, and I just have to say that we had so much fun making products and, you know, working with artists and it was just an absolute blast. So thank you for all those years working together, all of the, the collaboration and everything that went on along with it. Well, thank you. Yes, it was very, very, um, you know, fun. And we we really collaborated on a lot of things, you know, not only just you and I, but, you know, the team that we had there. I mean, it it was great taking ideas out of people's um, heads internally and from the artists and making it a reality. You know, it's not not an easy task to do with a piece of metal that has no moving parts. Absolutely. I mean, you think about like a, a, a slab of metal, basically, and turning it into a musical instrument, and not just any musical instrument, but something that, um, you know, the world's greatest drummers want to use and make music with. So Absolutely. it's just, it's pretty incredible. And one thing that I want to say about you is you are, um, you know, you're, you're an artist. You are the person who can see sound in your head can understand what someone is asking for with their words and actually translate that into a musical instrument. So, you know, that's That's kind of you. Oh my gosh. I, (laughs) I watched you do it for years. Um, It was just super cool to, to be witness to that and, and to learn from you too um, about sound and how everything you do to that piece of metal affects the way that it, that it ends up. Um, and I had a lot of good teachers, you know, I had, um, you know, Lenny DiMuzio and Leon Ciappini and of course, you know, Armin Zildjian, um, a lot of the, you know, older statesmen of the drumming community. And then, you know, working with, with um, colleagues like you and, you know, getting your perspective on, you know, what is needed for the marketplace. You know, I I'm consider myself a perpetual student and wherever... Mm-hmm. I can learn from something, you know, I really kind of grasp onto it. So thank you. Absolutely. And, and that kind of brings up one of the things that I thought um, was, was pretty fantastic was following the music, the sounds change throughout the years, the needs of the musicians change throughout the years, the sound of music changes. Um, and one of the things that I thought was the most fun was uh, getting to be part of that process of like, making the next sounds and understanding like what was needed. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. And um, so after 32 years at Zildjian, a change has come and mm-hmm. I want to hear about 
what you're doing now. And I think everybody wants to hear about what you're doing now. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, it was a big change and, um, you know, most people don't stay at a job for as long as I do. And, you know, just change changes, you know, natural and, and it came and it's like, all right, well, what's going to happen next? And there was a lot of people within the industry, um, that really, they, they come out and they help you. Um, one of them, uh, one of the people was Colin Schofield, who had worked at Zildjian, um, and I hadn't worked with him for 18 years. He he moved on in 2003, and he heard about the change, and he reached out to me, and he said, well, you know, I work with Jody Jazz Mouthpieces down in Georgia, and we have a project coming up, and we think that you could help us. And so I started working with them, and then um, also... Uh, with GrooveX, you know, I'm doing some stuff with them with manufacturing efficiencies and kind of using my process engineering background um, to apply to some of the products there and, and stay tuned because there's a really cool thing uh, that's coming out soon. And if if uh, the uh, the viewers aren't familiar with the XClick, you have to just Google GrooveX.com and go check it out because this gives you a perfect rim click all the time, every time on yes. any size snare drum. Do you have one there? I have one right here, I, actually. <laughs> so. I would have, I should have, I should have had one with me. I have like one no. on every one of my snare drums. Oh my now. God. They are so great. At GrooveXPercussion.com. Check those out. And there's like. GrooveX Percussion. Yeah. So, some you know. Some other super cool products from, from GrooveX as well. Shout out to, to Russ Miller for, you know. Um, you know, giving me a call and saying, Hey, I think you can help me with some things that, uh, that, uh, right up your alley. Mm -hmm. And then there's some, there's some other stuff in the works too, with some like consulting work. Yeah. I'm not, not prepared to, to share with that. But one of the things that, you know, I can't stop doing is kind of tinkering with symbols. And, yeah. you know, I, I decided that maybe I would kind of go the independent symbol smith route and I'm literally hamming, hammering, excuse me, and lathing some symbols in my garage. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it's kind of like, you know, someone saying, hey, you can't play drums anymore. I mean, I've been playing drums for going on 44 years. You know, when, when you have a career somewhere that uh, you're creating stuff, you know, it's really, really hard to stop. So I'm, I'm doing that, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and it's fun, actually. It, it, right. I mean, I, people would ask me, well, what is, what is Paul up to? What is Paul Francis up to? And, you know, I would let them know, like, Paul's doing great and he's doing some consulting and, and, you know, just, I, but in the back of my head, I'm like, Paul is a symbol maker. That is his craft. That is his passion. And um, I think that the world of symbols is so much better with you creating in it. So. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you very much. Absolutely. So. And I'm I know, hoping, I know I'm people hope, think the same. Oh, that's great. I, I just hope that, um, you know, maybe people would be, be interested uh, in what I'm doing. You know, I'm not, it's not a thing where, you know, I would say um, I'm making, you know, um, you know, the authentic symbols from, from Turkey or whatever. It's, it's not that case. It's, it's just creating sounds, you know what the bell does and what the curvature does. And, you know, of course the, the hammering, I'm doing it by hand. Mm -hmm. And so it's more of a, um, you know, I hate to use this term, you know, random, cause it's not really random, but the the metals worked all over the place. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just affords you to get different sounds. You can get pretty sounds, you can get dirty sounds, dark sounds, bright sounds. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I've been doing. It's almost like, um, you know, going back to the, the woodshed and practicing a little bit. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I, the process of, you know, hand hammering symbols is fascinating to me. And I know that you did some of that in the past. And mm -hmm. I just, I love to see that piece of metal become something like literally in your hands you're you're you are doing everything to that metal to make it um become what it what it ends up and then from one to the next they sound incredibly unique you mm -hmm. know and, and in um and you know what to do to make it sound the way that you want it to which is a talent in itself but 
um, you know, having having a symbol kind of like tailored to exactly what you want. Um, I just I love that concept. And also um, along those same lines, are you doing uh, symbol like modifications if, if someone wanted something modified? Yeah, if somebody wanted something modified, like if they wanted something laid thinner or, you know, if they want um, it, it hammered, um, absolutely. I mean, those are well within my uh, skill set to do and, um, you know, just want to help drummers find their sound uh, any way that I can. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. For sure. And so if anyone wants to reach out and, and see what you're working on or if they have a symbol, um, I know you answer a lot of questions on the forums, which is so incredible because your expertise, I mean, 32 years in the business and you are an authority on symbols and sounds, of course. But if someone wants to reach out to you. How do they do that? Well, the best way is I, I just created a new um, email address rather than use my personal one because I it's funny. I, I have three email addresses now, um, but this this one probably be the best way to get in touch with me with stuff like this. And it's just Paul at symbolcraftsman.com. And that's my in Instagram handle. And I thought it would be appropriate uh, to use that. Um, and, you know, you know, Sarah, that I wasn't very social media savvy until a few years back and and i created mm -hmm. that that instagram um um page so yeah. i could document a trip to asia and it's just it's just been fantastic um and i have been on you know facebook and instagram answering questions about some stuff you know um people are very interested in the hows and whys of some of uh, the zildjian symbols that that uh, were created um, during our tenure, and I'm glad to help with those questions. Um, I actually answered a question this morning um, on drumforum.org on uh, organic ride. And, oh, nice. You know, yeah, so I, I always end it with, I hope this helps, you know, sometimes it's to alleviate fears about something, especially with an unfinished um, symbol surface mm -hmm. and say, no, it's okay, it's just part of the process and yes. you know, enjoy, enjoy your symbol, play it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I because that's that's what it's all about at the end of mm -hmm. the day, right? You you want to enjoy it, that sound and you know what you have and and what it can make, um, and the music that that it can make. Um, it's so right. So yep. uh, speaking of social media, Symbol Craftsman on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, Paul at symbolcraftsman.com is your is your email. And I just yep. have to say, I can attest to the fact that a few years back no Instagram account or anything. And I thought it was so funny because you created your Instagram and immediately started getting like thousands of people following you. And I was just like, this is so great. Like the, the drumming community just comes together and, you know, everybody knows Paul Francis though. It's, it's um, kind of crazy to me that thousands of people want to see what I'm going to post from time to time, you know, they do. but but well, if it helps, if, if it helps, then, then I'll do it. You know, I, yes. I just, I'm just a drummer at heart, just like the rest of us and love music. Yes. So I just want to share. Well, that, that makes a huge difference. Um, being, being, um, like having that understanding, I guess is what I'm trying to say of the craft and the music and all of that, being a fan <laughs> of music and drumming, mm -hmm. I think it like leads your dream it leads you to to where you are now which um you know you're mm -hmm. you're swinging a hammer paul and <laughs> i know i saw <laughs> i saw i a hammer from time to time but i'm doing it more now um, oh right right of and course. i didn't ever imagine that i would but i'm kind of happy that i am you know yes yes and i asked you this question before but i'm going to ask it here so people can hear it because i think it's interesting okay. when you are hammering symbols you are listening to music yes and are you hammering along with the time I, believe it or not i am so yeah. if if it's a faster song i'm hammering a little bit faster um <laughs> i i tried uh doing it with just um you know noise canceling headphones on with no music but you know, to me, listening to music every day, it's like breathing. I need it. You know, I, I need that uh, to be part of the process, mm -hmm. um, you know, and depending on my mood, 
you know, I, I, I'll be listening, you know, to the who or rush or the police, or I was listening to Blondie yesterday. There you um, go. You know, I called up parallel lines and I, not, not to, not to tangent too much, but I remember when my older brother brought home uh, the parallel lines album and took the plastic off and put it on his turntable on his stereo, you know? So, you know, while I'm, I'm doing this and I'm kind of moving forward with my life and, you know, the next chapter, you know, I reminisce about, um, how much music has uh, impacted me over, yes. you know, that my my life so far. Absolutely. And how how great that, you know, it's come around full circle to where you're listening to that music while you're creating beautiful instruments. Mm -hmm. Like that's just what what more can you ask for, really? Like that's that's pretty great. Living living out your childhood dreams, really. And I really want to kind of like go back in time to Paul. <clears throat> his childhood because um you mentioned your brother's records and i remember mm -hmm. you telling a story about um being a kid and like listening to his records and mm -hmm. that affecting you and and really making you um hear the music and i just want to hear a little bit about that and how you got into playing drums okay so um let, let's start with the drums first and i'll and i'll <laughs> I'll dive into my my brother's record collection and my sister's re record collection and his stereo. Um, mm -hmm. So I just remember being very, very young and, you know, music would be on in the house um, from time to time. My, my brother is eight years older than me and my sister is seven years older than me. They're they're what they what you call an Irish Irish twins. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're 11 months apart. So, yeah. And, and then, you know, my parents kind of put the brakes on because they had two kids and diapers and, and, and cribs. Um, but I just remember music and wanting to tap on things all the time. And I used to just, just like a lot of the other drummers, uh, musicians that you've had on your podcast, you know, I would pull out the pots and pans. I would grab, you know, pencils and I would play on the footstools in the living room. And it just, it wasn't a thing that I was really aware of saying, I'm going to play the drums i just did it mm -hmm. and i remember taking one of the um the stock pot covers um apart i could actually take the handle off and my brother who played trumpet he had one of those wire music stands and i took the top of um the stock pot the cover and then i put it where where the music should sit but it was just the pole and i screwed in the screw Oh my gosh. And I made a symbol. Now I look back on this. I'm like, this is just totally craziness that I was doing that back then. Um, yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by asking people, why did you play guitar? Why did you play clarinet? Why trumpet? You know, whatever saxophone. And I just remember, you know, I grew up in Quincy, Massachusetts and um, the house I grew up in wasn't too far from the main road through Quincy called Hancock street. So, mm -hmm. Um, there's a Christmas parade every year that goes down uh, Hancock Street right after uh, Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. and, and the family would just walk up and we would we would go to the Christmas parade. You know, I remember this from when I could remember. And I just just when the bands would walk by and the drum line would just come by, it just spoke to me. I'm like, I need to do that. And I was going to figure out some way to play the drums mm -hmm. um so i remember you know you couldn't play in the elementary school band until you were in fifth grade and i was kind of always like late to the party not really paying attention uh to when sign up was <laughs> and, and I, I was late to getting you know a permission slip to join the band and you know i said to the band director that i wanted to play the drums he goes oh i have enough drummers already and I'm like, hmm, well, maybe I can play something else and then play drums a another time. And so the band director had taught my brother through elementary school and junior high school. Mm -hmm. So he knew my family. So I remember it was the time, it was the night that you had to go to uh, one of the junior high schools in Quincy and actually hand in the their permission slip and pick up an instrument because there was a music right. company there that had the instruments. Yes. So I told my mother, I came up with a little white lie. 
Okay. Now I'm still playing drums. I'm playing drums in four bands right now. So this is okay that this happened. <laughs> so it's I, I it's, it's, it's okay. You know, yes. I, I remember telling my mother that Mr. Goldstein, the band director said, you know, when it was time, when I was ready to play in the band that I could play the drums. Now it's kind of a white lie because I did talk to Mr. Goldstein when I was much younger and my brother was in junior high school. But the question that I did ask him was, how old do you have to be to play in the band? And I'd like to play the drums. And of course, Mr. Goldstein doesn't remember me talking to him about that because I might have been six years old. <laughs> you know, so I told my yeah. mother that. And my mother said, well, if Mr. Goldstein said that you could play the drum, my mother never pluralized it. I always play the drum. Um, <laughs> if he said you could play the drum, then you're going to play the drum and we'll go up. And this is, you know, in the 70s, this is 1978. You know, my father comes home from work. He's in a suit. My mother put a dress on. Wow. You know, and, and, and we, we, we went, we went to the school and he recognized them and, you know, asked about my, my brother and, you know, they, they told him, you know, he's in college and studying, you know, uh, photo engineering, stuff like that. And then she, she laid the line on him that he promised that I could play the drum. And he said, well, if I promised Paul, he could play the drum then he's going to play the drums. So that's how it started. And, and it. it's it, the first one's behind me. You can't really see it. It's a, it's a sonar mm -hmm. uh, snare drum and I still have it. Wow. Um, so that's how I got into drumming. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm the only one still playing out of all the kids that started um, in an elementary school and through junior high school. And I think in, through high school as well there might be one or two that still play the drums mm -hmm. um but i played all the way up through high school in the marching band and in the jazz band and stuff like that um so my little white lie is okay yeah it took that's, you very far <laughs> you know but i i do think like that's a that's a perfect example of like doing what it takes to live your dream you know and it, yeah it sounds like, you know, very out there, but it's, it's so true because it takes, it takes pushing on your part. And, you know, you, you knew that if you kind of like massage the conversation a little bit, it would be, it would work or hopefully mm -hmm. it would work. And it did. And I, I think so many of us who have, you know, big dreams, um, we know that it's, it's going to take a lot to get there. And, and, and it'll take people being on your side too. Like ultimately your, your parents wanted you to be happy and they knew that would make you happy. Um, so my, my mother had this uncanny ability. She could talk on the phone to whoever while mm -hmm. I was practicing, you know, my, my <laughs> drum set lesson in the basement. I, I remember when my niece was born and my mother would be babysitting her. And sometimes she would wake up when I would stop playing the drums and she would yell down the cellar and say keep playing i want her to keep sleeping <laughs> so, wow did your uh, niece did your niece like take up music at all just out of curiosity um she didn't but she took up dance and that's what my sister did my sister uh did dance when she mm -hmm. was younger all through um you know elementary school high uh, junior high school high school and then she became a dance instructor and and now my my okay. sister's a real estate lawyer um, yeah but it's it's just fantastic. But there is one story I want to I want to talk about with regard to music and records. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Can I segue into Please. that? Please do that. Yes. So I I don't remember if it was before I got my snare drum or after, but I remember coming home from um, you know elementary school and my my father was a salesman, so he was still at work, and my mother was a night nurse at Boston City Hospital, so she wasn't home and depending on who got home from high school first, either my brother or sister, that's who commanded the music that afternoon. So this particular afternoon, I, I get home from school. My brother um, is home first and he has quadrophenia by the who playing on a stereo very loudly. Mm -hmm. And the, the song that just starts as I walk into the house is uh, the real me. And if people know that song, there's a, you know, the, the drumming is phenomenal and the, the bass line is really high in the mix. And, you know, I, I didn't have a book bag, but I think I had like, you know, whatever with me, homework with me. And I just dropped it on the floor and I looked at him. I go, what's that? And he said, 
that's the who don't touch my freaking stereo. <laughs> that, that, that was the line. Right. But I just, this band did something for me, you know, just like hearing the, the drum lines and the marching bands, this, this music grabbed me, this particular band mm-hmm. uh, and this drummer. And I'm like, Holy moly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I definitely want to do that. And, you know, my brother was listening to the who the beach boys, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, you know, I, I mentioned Blondie. Mm-hmm. If my sister was playing music when I got home from school, we were listening to Fleetwood Mac or Heart, you know, um, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so I, I had a, a really great, you know, musical upbringing, and they didn't realize how much they contributed uh, to my love of music. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, re- <laughs> I remember mentioning to my brother that that I was going to go to, you know, a who concert, one of the last ones in Boston before the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, they're still alive. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they're still alive. And he just doesn't understand that, you know, him listening to that album that day really impacted my life. Yes. I mean, I don't have it here. I have it at a, at a place that I call the drum cave. Um, I have a, a bass drum head that says the who on it that was given to me by Colin Schofield, who had worked for premier drums after working for Zildjian. And they had done a reissue of Keith Moon's uh, pictures of Lily drum kit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I framed it and hung it up. I mean, holy moly, that's, that's, you know, rock star right there for me. Absolutely. And, know, I, and I, I love a lot of drummers. I mean, but Keith Moon's like, he's my go-to guy. If I'm stranded on a mm-hmm. desert island and all I can listen to is, you know, like, who's next? I'm good till I die. Yes, yes. And I have been to a couple of Who concerts with you. And I can <laughs> that you you are you can epically air drum mm-hmm. to the Who. Like, literally air drum every note. So it's, it's just fantastic. Another colleague that we worked with, uh, Tina... Clark over at the UK. I remember her calling me up because I was going to fly over for an artist session over there. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, Paul, when, when are you flying over? I said, oh, well, you know, to get a cheaper flight and, and whatnot, I'm going to fly on Friday in the morning, you know, yes. and, and stay over the weekend and then stay for the event on Monday and then fly home Tuesday. She says, what time do you land at Heathrow? And I said, why? She says, the Who is playing the Albert Hall, and they're going to play the entire Tommy album. So I literally got off a plane at Heathrow in the evening, 45 minutes to the Royal Albert Hall. I missed half of the beginning of the overture. And, like, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up. It was just, it was incredible that she was able to do this for me. So that is, that is so great. And like, it's those moments that just stay with you and inspire you and Mm -hmm. keep you going like fuel, you know, that's fuel for, for the creative Mm -hmm. part of, of what you do. Um, and you know, I, I think I just want to say too, like uh, to Tina's credit, those people (laughs) in life that kind of come through in those ways, knowing how happy that will make you. Right. That's like, it's life-changing. I just, I just appreciate it so much that, you know, she thought of me, you know, when anybody thinks of me and says, Hey, you know, I thought you would like this, you know, cause I yeah. do that all the time. I'm always thinking about my friends and family and, you know, I might see something on my call and said, Hey, this reminded me of you. And, you know, I just wanted to call and see how you're doing. And, you know, when it, when it happens to me, it's just like, you realize how, how blessed you are in life. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. 100%. Um, and you know, so the people that surround us and the effect that they have on us and without even knowing sometimes just how, how significant it is, um, I think is a a big part of what makes us who we are. Right. And then Mm -hmm. the thing that I think about when I think about you, Paul, is the conversations that we've had over the years about like putting in the work and just, you know, doing what it takes to get it done. Um, you, when you started at Zildjian, you were sweeping floors mm-hmm. and, and just coming to where you have, have risen to. And it's just, it's fantastic. And it, it's, it's um, a testament to just putting, putting the time in, paying your dues, right. Doing what it takes. 
100%. And it's, and it's funny because I had no intention of working at Zildjian then longer than six months. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I yeah. studied drum all the way through high school, private lessons. And I went to Berkeley College of Music for a little bit and decided I, I didn't want to be a music teacher. So I, I decided to leave there and just focus on drumming. And I went to Drummers Collective back in 1988. And they only had a 10-week program. So I, I, you know, went down to New York and I lived there and I did the 10-week program, fully immersed in drumming, brought all the materials home, continued to practice. And you know, was trying to get a full-time playing gig, auditioning with bands, but not being very bright at 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sleeping in every morning and my parents <laughs> were frowning upon that. I so love said, this story. They they said, you have to get a, a, a full-time job until you're playing full-time. So I called my drum teacher, Dick Desenzo, and said, I'm back from New York. Can I come in and share what, you know, I was studying at Drummers Collective? And then I, you know, I met with him the next day for lunch. And I said, well, I have a little ulterior motive. And I told him about what my parents said to me. And I said, do you think Zildjian might have some job openings where I could, you know, have something where I'm going to every day and they'll be happy and I can still be part of um, drumming. Mm-hmm. So he, he called, he called the company and I interviewed with the factory manager. And, you know, after, I don't know, we, we talked for 45 minutes to an hour. And at the end he says, well, I'm not going to hire you. I'm like, why not? <laughs> you studied mm-hmm. with Dick Desenzo. I still study with Dick Desenzo. You know, we know all the same people. And he said, drummers don't get up in the morning. You'll have a gig and you won't be here at 6 a.m. And I promised him that I would be there. And he goes, well, I'll think about it. And then he went on vacation for two weeks. So <laughs> I was I was calling, you know, the human resource lady, uh, Agnes, mm-hmm. you know, begging her, you know, are you going to hire me? And they had to track him down on vacation this isn't, isn't pre-cell phones you know oh my internet goodness. i mean we're, there's nothing so they tracked him down he says oh yeah you know have the kid come in mm-hmm. so I, I i remember to this day driving um to the factory and i remember i didn't get off at what was exit 14 i went past it went to the next exit because i was going to be super early getting there and i didn't want to be too early mm-hmm. you know so I drove around a little bit and then I pulled into the parking lot and I remember walking in for the very first time and they were waiting for me and they didn't have anything for me to do. They handed me some safety glasses, a pair of white gloves, and then a broom and said, mm-hmm. sweep, sweep the floor. And I'm like, okay. You know, and it was really like being allowed into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, being a drummer. Absolutely. And so after a couple of weeks of, you know, being kind of given odd jobs to do you know one, one day i was hanging symbols on the hooks where the the clear coat was being sprayed on the symbols and um they said you know we we, we want to teach you how to lathe so i i learned i started to learn how to lathe and i thought it was very very cool you know just peeling off the outer uh crust of metal and, and being part of making the instrument that i was in awe of yes and I did that. I did the the bottom lathing for about six or eight months. And the the gentleman who was the lead man in the lathe room noticed that I was picking it up and, you know, was really into it. So they decided to teach me how to do what's called finish lathing, as you know, which is the top lathing, which is more difficult, especially with the the thinner style symbols. And I so I, I lathed for seven years and, and I I loved it. You know, I got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm getting paid every week and I have dental insurance and a 401k mm-hmm. and health insurance. I'll play drums part time. And that's what I was yes. doing. I was playing every weekend and making cymbals during the week. Um, and, and I just I just loved it. It was just a, a way for me to be part of of music. Um, yes. And then and then, you know, jobs uh, got posted and I got into the R&D department and just, you know, like like yourself starting as an intern, Sarah, mm-hmm. you know, we both kind of climbed the latter where we were in charge of, um, you know, our respective departments, mm-hmm. um, which is fun. I mean, to me, it's, it's almost like a fairy tale, to be honest with you. You know, what business yeah. do I have to be in charge of R and D for the number one symbol company in the world and get right. to work? Right. You know, I got to work with Elvin Jones and Tony Williams and Louis Belson and Steve Gadd and, Steve Smith and Peter Erskine and the list goes on and on and on. I mean, 
you know, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not naming everybody, but every, every person I got to work with was, was, you know, important in a learning experience mm-hmm. for me, you know? Yes, absolutely, Paul. And so you, many happy memories. Oh my gosh. It's yes. I, I agree with you. So many, so many happy memories. And, <laughs> um, I, you know, you say you were on the lathe for, for years and it shows, I mean, anyone who's seen you lathe symbols, it's like, you make it look so incredibly easy. And I know oh. from personal experience <laughs> that it is not easy. So um, you've done some lathing, you've done some hammering, you've worked yeah. in the factory. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's and, like breathing to me. Lathing is, yes. is really like, you know, um, I, I love it. You know, it's, it, it sounds corny, but you kind of become one with the instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're running a cutting tool or what we would call a chisel over the surface of the battle and, you know, kind of you're you're revealing what it's going to be sound wise. And it's it's yes. it's very exciting. It is exciting. It is. <laughs> and, you know, um, even though like you went to school, you got your engineering degree, as you mentioned, you were in charge of R&D and, mm-hmm. you know, quality control for years and you were in charge of innovation. And um, but you never stopped making symbols you weren't you weren't just telling people what to do or any of that Mm -hmm. you were in the factory every single day working on the machines making Mm -hmm. things creating and you know i that that was always something that i took to heart because um you didn't you didn't lose the passion for it you didn't lose the excitement about it and i would see it in your face every day and i'm so excited to see it in your face now again with the new symbols that you're making because oh, that's thank you yes that's like what what should be happening and um and it's just it's so exciting and i know we can geek out about symbols and sounds <laughs> and all that stuff all day long but i, I want i want you to share a story though if i can interrupt you you sure. have to tell the story about the metal box in your office okay because <laughs> yes. because yes. it just talk it talks about sound and yes. you know the, there's possibilities all around us, Absolutely. you know, so just, yeah. just, just share this. Cause it kind of gives an insight into my, you know, crazy brain. <laughs> yes. So many times at, at Zildjian working together, I would say to Paul, what if, right? And so the conversation would start out with what if, and I would say, what if we tried this or what if we did this or what would happen if, and it was never too outside the box, pun intended, um, for Paul, because you would come back to me and be like, here you go. I did, I did it. And it would be like exactly what I imagined, um, which was like magic, you know, like literal magic. So one day. I called you and I was like, I have, you have to come to my office. You have to, you have to come up here when you have a second. So you came up to my office and I had like a, a box that a, um, a utility knife had come in and like a, you know, a tool or whatever in my office. And I had received this set as a gift, but I had been tapping on this box because we're drummers. We tap on everything and make different sounds. So I had been tapping on this box with my nails and I was like fascinated by the sound that it made. And we were in a process where we were trying to think about different sounds, different Mm -hmm. things, different processes, different materials. Um, And it just struck me like, this is something like something's here. This is something. And so you, you know, you were never like, that's crazy or, oh, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. All, always, always you were, uh, yes, yes, Sarah, you know, so you. Let's see where it goes. What can we do with this? Let's see what if, and you took the box. The next day I came back and you were always at work before me. So I came into my office and on my desk were boxes that you made mm-hmm. out of metal. I don't, it was some, were they out of symbol alloy or was symbol it? Symbol alloy it was the Zildjian yeah. symbol alloy was one. And then there was one that we used for the, um, you know, the, the ZBT. Yes. Yeah. I made it. I got in that morning. I made a paper template. I went down, I grabbed some metal. I traced it out. I'm like, all right, how am I going to bend this into a box? And, yes. you know, and if you remember the, the big part of the 
box bottom had a hole in it where that's where the symbol hole is, right? Yes. And I'm just like, I needed to know, will it make a noise? You know, so mm-hmm. I was, it was just like being like a, like a little kid and like, oh, I'm going to try this recipe. I want to see if it tastes good, you know? Right, right, exactly. Which is part of the magic because it's like the fascination with what can be done mm-hmm. and and what makes a sound. And I think we talk all the time about um, Glenn Kochi. Oh, and yeah. his like incredible affinity for noisemakers and things that like, you know, you wouldn't normally think of as a percussion instrument or to add something to your kit, but it adds so much. Um, some of the stuff like you alluded to that we're working on with uh, Groove X Percussion, totally along those lines. And um, yeah, it's just, it's so exciting to just kind of like see you continue on with that with that um, creative mindset. Yes. So that's the box story. And it just kind of goes to show how you are able to visualize someone's idea and just make it come to life. Yeah. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not easy. But one of the things that um, I think that I'm kind of good at is that, you know, if something doesn't work, I say, okay, well, that approach didn't work, but I don't stop. You know, I won't do that again. That didn't yield the results. that I was looking for or whoever was looking for. So, you know, how, how can we do it differently? You know, I'm a, a problem solver. Yes, you are. Yes, you, you are. Know. And I think, I think that, that <laughs> translates to life too. Like you make a mistake, then you know what not to do next time. Right. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, Sometimes I still make the same it. mistake with in, in life, but <laughs> I'm learning oh. as I get older. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I just, I want to talk about how like your passion for music and sound and all of that kind of translates to different areas of your life because people listening might not know that you are a candy maker and that you love (laughs) books. So tell us about some of your latest uh, creations and you know, and with the, um, with books, let us know what you're reading. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, the, the candy making started, uh, I would say, geez, 25, 26, 27 years ago. And, and, you know, my, my wife and I, we, we would make candy as Christmas presents just for, you know, friends and relatives. And it started with mm-hmm. chocolate fudge and then just peanut butter fudge. And then there were some other recipes where, uh, made some clusters which would first it started just as peanut cluster chocolate covered peanut clusters and then you know what about cashews and craisins and if people don't know what craisins are they're they're dried cranberries Mm -hmm. um but when you when you take the um the um uh, cashews and craisins and put them in melted like dark chocolate the those flavors you know really really complement each other and you make them into you know drops on some wax paper and and it's just really yummy and then also um you know i have my fictitious candy company um, mm-hmm. and, and and you know i have to thank you know a lot of people in the industry um with coming up with the name of it paul's balls candy company um because i would make peanut butter balls and dip them in chocolate and then i would give them out yes. you know so i started to um you know, give them out at, at trade shows, you know, cause I know people like candy and I like to make it and, and, and share it with people. So, you know, people would joke, Hey, did you, did you bring, you know, the Paul's balls candy? Cause yes. you know, I'm really looking forward to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then our mutual friend, you know, Jules Thomas, she's like, well, we got to make a logo. So she made a logo. And then I don't know how many years ago I had a bunch of t-shirts made up, you know, for this fictitious yes. candy company that, really doesn't exist other than in my kitchen from time to time. Right. And, I almost uh, did a shirt today. Actually. <laughs> I <almost did. laughs> so I, I, I bought a bunch and I, I gave them out that Christmas uh, with the candy. And then this, this thing kind of exploded because now, you know, every time I'm on a zoom call with somebody, they're like, you know, I haven't had, you know, some of your uh, candy in a while. <laughs> so I would whip up another batch and, you know, sometimes it travels well, sometimes it doesn't. When I have to send it out to the West Coast, it's a it's a crapshoot whether it's going to be a big melted blob when it gets to them right, or not. Right. But but it's fun because you know you're you're making something uh, for somebody, and I listen to music while I do it, and I'm also of course just thinking about sounds mm-hmm. while I do it. Absolutely. It's just something I just can't 
I can't shut it off. I don't want to shut it off. Um, yeah. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't yeah. because, you know, I know that the drumming world will agree with me when I say this, but it, we need you Paul. Like you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're essential. Um, so yeah, keep, keep creating and, and making and, and, you know, listening to other people's crazy ideas. So <laughs> yeah, 100%, you know, and you know, I make peanut butter cups sometimes too. And I tried some different, uh, you know, stuff in, in the, uh, the peanut butter cup. Like I did a peanut butter and jelly one. And then mm-hmm. at, at one point in time I was putting, uh, Reese's pieces in there in M&Ms and all of a sudden, you know, those companies actually did a version like that. I'm like, yes! they must have a camera in my kitchen, but <laughs> You know, it's silly because, of course, they would come up with doing that. Somebody that's their, you know, crazy candy maker is like, hey, let's throw in entire, you know, Reese's Pieces and, and a peanut right? butter cup, you know. Right. Um, and you what know, a fun she, job that must be, like R&D I, for candy oh, company. I would weigh 800 pounds. I'm surprised <laughs> I'm not heavier than I am with the candy that I make. Um, but it's just, it's just fun. I mean, there's nothing greater than making, you know, something that you know if candy nourishes somebody that you can give to somebody and say hey you know here eat this i don't i want to make sure you don't die you know please stay alive because i like you you know yes yes exactly um and i i i can attest to the fact that it is delicious um the the peanut butter balls in particular those are my favorite so um, yes, we, we love that. And, and then when it comes to books too, like oh. you are maybe the most voracious reader I've ever met in my life. Like you read books, books upon books and so mm-hmm. fast. And I think like every gift I give you, there's always a Barnes and Noble gift certificate. Oh, I, I, I love that. I'm like, <laughs> please let this be a gift card so I can buy books upon books upon books. Um, I never yeah. read as a kid. I hated reading. Mm-hmm. I hated reading and I don't know what happened. I got into my, I, I would say late thirties, early forties. And what I started to read was about um, successful people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, so what, what do they have within them that makes them successful? And maybe I could, you know, take some of those uh, tips and, and be successful myself. So I started to read about like, like Henry Ford and people that just started uh, companies, successful companies that we would, we would know about. And mm-hmm. I just kept going. And I, and I, you know, most recently I, I received a book. Um, it was uh, Will Smith's autobiography and I didn't really know about him and how we started. Um, and everybody kind of knows him as a rapper, but you know, he, he, w- he was kind of brought up like us where, you know, you gotta, you have to pay your dues. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his, his dad was a, was a blue collar worker and owned a, you know, um, um, air conditioning refrigeration company. And he had to work for his dad you right. know, and he had to work hard. And I'm like, okay, so I see similarities. And then as I'm going through the book, he mentions another book that impacted his life called the alchemist. And I literally just finished that. And, you know, Will Smith said that it was kind of transformative in his life. And I'll, I'll agree, you know, if, if you like to read, I recommend this book. This I'm I'm just gonna preach it from the mountaintop. Read the Alchemist and and okay. just do it. It's a really really great book. Um, but I I would say you know I'm reading one year. I think I read well over twenty books. You know some of wow. them are business books. Some some of them are autobiographies. I like mm-hmm. history. I love history. Um, just to, to understand, you know, different people uh, throughout history. Um, and then there's, you know, sometimes I start a book and I put it down. It doesn't speak to me. If it doesn't speak to me, I'm not going to finish it. I won't force myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like books that are, um, you know, real page turners where I, I'm staying yes. up until two o'clock in the morning because I need to know what's going to happen next. Yes, yes. I agree with you on that. <laughs> Um, and who, who is the author that you love? I'll, I'll link the alchemist in the description, okay. um, and in the show notes on the podcast platform. I want to check it out. Um, but my, who, fa- my favorite author, your favorite author. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. To tell this story. Yes. Um, David McCullough, he, he, he wrote, um, John Adams in 1776 and he wrote, uh, Truman, the Wright brothers, uh, path between the seas, 
um, about the Panama Canal. He wrote the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, it's just fantastic. I love his writing style. Um, and oddly enough, you and I were on our way to catch a flight to a PAS show, and we were in the security line. And this is before, well, at least before I was hip to TSA pre-check and stuff, you know. Yes. And I, I see David McCullough, and it was his wife, Rosie, with him in Boston at Logan Airport. And he was going through the fast lane, and I lit up like a Christmas tree, like, oh, my God. And you're like, who's that old guy? And I'm like, you don't understand. This is David McCullough. He's just a fantastic writer. And I had um, the Brooklyn Bridge in my my bag with me, my carry-on. Yeah. And you had literally just been telling me about it. Right. And I yeah. ran over and accosted him. Yes. Like, like I, I was like the worst fan ever <laughs> ran over and he had the biggest smile on his face. And so did his wife because, you know, I don't think he's recognized as, as often as I think he, that he should. Right. And I was talking a million miles an hour. You were totally laughing at me. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a really, really big fan. And I've read, you know, a lot of your books and I actually have the Brooklyn bridge with me. And I, and I just bought the Wright brothers, but I didn't bring it with me because I want to finish the Brooklyn bridge. And I said, can I get your autograph? And he just kind of looked at me like, oh, okay, crazy person. <laughs> yeah, so he said, well, I'm going to let me get through security. Let them do the once over and I'll meet you on the other side. And I said, mm -hmm. okay. So, of course, you know, we're in line with the rest of the cattle trying to get through security. I'm like, yep. nope, no, no, no. He's hiding somewhere in a bathroom. Yeah. He's yep. afraid of me, you know. And, and we got through security and there he was. He was waiting. He was mm -hmm. waiting for me. And his his wife loved it that he got recognized by somebody. And I pulled out the book and um, I said, wait a minute, I have a Sharpie. He goes, oh, no, no, I have a pen for just these occasions. Yes. And, and he autographed it. And then you were kind enough to take some pictures. And I don't think my smile could have been bigger that day. And it mm -hmm. just it was awesome. And then, and then he disappeared. I'm like, OK, he's <laughs> like now he's had enough of me. Um, <laughs> But it was just so fantastic. And I remember, you know, when, when we got to Indianapolis, I, I I don't know, I called home and said, you know, I got here safely. And I was sharing with with my wife, Carrie, and she's she's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. You know, the guy that writes yeah. these books, I met him. Oh, my God. I got gosh. to talk to him. OK, great. OK, have a good show. It was oh, <laughs> it was so good, though, Paul, because, you know, it's like those those moments like he was he was so happy to mm -hmm. meet you and and to talk with you and but you're right like we were in that security line and you're like yeah he's there's no way he's going to be waiting for me at the end of this because it was long like they waited a good mm -hmm. i don't know how long it was probably like 40 minutes or something yeah right? it was it was it was longer than you know i wanted it to be i'm like no right. way. He, he got on his plane he's he's out of here right um, and then, but, but, you know, it just, it goes to show how impactful those moments are, right? And mm -hmm. I know that, um, that that's one of the reasons you take every opportunity to answer questions when they're posed to you or to 100%. spend time talking, talking with somebody because you know it means so much to that person. And mm -hmm. that's, it's just an incredible gift. And um, we're just and, people, we're people and we have certain jobs and you know, we we um, should take the time to talk to everybody that we can, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, to share, it, right? Yeah, because if you, have, if you have knowledge that somebody else, you know, they, they, don't, they don't have that knowledge or they, they want to question answered and you can do it for them, you should do it for them. Yes. You know, we're just people. We all put our pants on the same way you know, every day. And, and we're just people, you know, I, I, I would joke with people. I'm, I'm just a drummer like you are. I just happen to have this job, you know, and I'll, I'll answer as much as I can. I mean, somebody posted a, a picture of um, a, a, a trademark that would be in, in Boston to a symbol. And I said, oh, yeah, I had that in my office when I worked for Zildjian. They're like, what? Wow. If you still had it, I have you in Boston into my head. And I'm like, what? I'm like that's oh kind of a crazy, crazy statement, but um, yeah, I like to share. You know, when people 
um, want to know why a sound was created, what the thought process was behind it. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, sometimes there's a lot of um, misinformation out there mm -hmm. and, and myths and stuff. And, you know, it, it's not, I don't get on to be a know-it-all as much as saying, well, no, actually the reasons behind this was X, Y, Z. Right. You know? Um, yes. Yes. And it's, and it's fun for you to share too. Like I mm -hmm. think, I think that's a part of it um, that sometimes people don't understand. Like it's your passion, it's your life's work. And for you mm -hmm. to be able to have a chance to talk about it and have someone be interested in it, like there's no greater gift than that. Right. Um, right. I just, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. I, I want to just conclude by asking you what advice you would give to someone coming up thinking about what their dream is, what they have in their head, what their passion is, what would you say to that person from where you are right now, living your passion, what advice would you give? Well, you know, if there's something that really speaks to you that you find, you know, passionate and that you can't, you know, go a day without doing it, go and do it, practice it you know, mm -hmm. and pay your dues, find, find the places where you can go and you can, you can practice your passion and seek out the people, um, that can teach you and listen, you know, uh, Adam Nussbaum, um, said to me one day, he says, you know, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Um, listen, listen to what everybody has. Everybody is a teacher, you know, and, and take, Take what you need from each person and practice and practice and practice and do it. And don't get discouraged. You know, it's not it's not something, you know, whatever it is, playing the drums or making cymbals or, you know, being a really, really good cook. You don't you don't get it right out of the gate. You know, mm -hmm. um, you have to you have to do it and just just do it and do it and do it and find information and learn about it and talk to everybody and don't get discouraged. Just keep doing it. Persevere. Perseverance. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a society right now where everybody wants instant gratification. You know, I want, I ordered this and, you know, I, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. It should be here in an hour, you know. Right. And I, I think the, the, the journey to get the knowledge or become an expert at something, the, you don't want to miss out on that, mm -hmm. you know, you know, because you're, you if you get it immediately, you have information. You don't, you didn't gain the knowledge. You just have a piece of information and there's no depth to that in my mm -hmm. opinion, you know? So my advice is go, go and do it and do it and do it. And don't, don't look for a lot of praise. It'll come. It'll come when it's supposed to come, but just mm -hmm. keep doing it. Yeah. I love that. So maybe I sound like a old, old man now. No, yeah. no. <laughs> you sound like an authority on the subject, which is what's really, really important. And I think that's incredibly valuable advice. Persevere, right? Uh, there will be mm -hmm. challenges. There will be mm -hmm. changes that happen. And um, keep, keep, keep living your dream, no matter what it takes. That's it. You know, we've all um, survived 100% of all our bad days so far. So we all have good track records with that. So don't don't get discouraged. You know, I wanted to be, you know, a famous drummer, but the drumming got me to be part of music through a 32 year career. And now I get to work with more music instrument companies. And, you know, I'm kind of creating some stuff on my own in my in my home. And it's just fantastic. You know, but yeah. live the journey, follow the journey. Don't, don't say I need to get to this certain destination. Just let the journey happen and experience life and be, be happy. Choose to be happy every day. Choose to be happy. I Choose love to it. Be happy. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And Paul, thank you so much for thank coming you. on here. I was so excited to have you on. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, follow you on Instagram, Symbol Craftsman, and then Paul at SymbolCraftsman.com. Yep. You are making custom symbols. You're making handmade, handworked symbols, and also um, modifying 
symbols for anyone who wants something with mm -hmm. a little more hammering or some, you know, some lathing, um, reach out to you, talk, talk to you about it. That's the biggest thing, right? So thank you, sir. It's, it's been, it's been an honor to be part of your podcast and congratulations for, you know, I think you're going on 60 episodes now. That's amazing. Congratulations. Well, this, this episode marks one year. Paul. Awesome. So, oh, happy anniversary you. to you. Happy anniversary to you. Congratulations. <laughs> it's amazing. Absolutely. And um, I'll be posting about that. And I'm super excited to have you on for my my one year episode. So thank um, you. Yes. And absolutely. You know, just just to make a statement too. thank you, Paul, all your support over the years and your friendship have been invaluable. And anybody who is lucky enough to know you and to be in your circle would say the same thing. So, oh, and vice um, versa, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And I will see you soon. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.